This is the 79th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about the paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my dear co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello. Hi. How do you do? Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the TopTech app. In this episode, we will talk about paper play from last week as well as look ahead towards the weekend as we have a local tournament coming up with some slightly higher stakes than usual Thursdays. What meta are we expecting and what do we think of our chances? That's going to be topics for today. First things first, as always, Robin, how was your paper play last week? It was good. It was the usual Thursday magic. And then there was also a, a small event at uh, one of the local players house so two events to report from but maybe we will start on the Thursday event it was out of league event so you can spice up the deck no uh, league points in the prize pool and I sleeved up Song of Creation Storm it's beautiful it's beautiful man yep <laughs> so I've been uh, watching a few videos where this has been played online and uh, looked really fun and uh, a bit uh, over the top <laughs> like you you lose really hard or you win really hard and uh, it sort of performed like that as well <laughs> <laughs> in game one i was up against monowind pater and it was pretty rough because he had main deck hope of gear which <laughs> 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 which he can yeah. recur it can be a, a little bit i mean he, he didn't have a recursion online but my hand was a galvanic relay hand and like if I make a big relay he just sacks the gear and I can't play another card <laughs> the next turn so that card was completely dead. Counter target galvanic relay <laughs> and all its copies. Certainly and uh, that bought him of course enough time to just finish me off and in uh, game two he had main deck canonists and boarded in deafening silences so it was it was rough to say the least. And then I was up against Jund. In game one, I managed to resolve Song of Creation and basically draw my deck, as you do. So for game two, I boarded in three copies of Third Path Iconoclast to sort of circumvent the hate that I expected. And he stumbled a little bit on his mana, and I managed to make a lot of tokens with my Third Path Iconoclast and won that second game as well. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's always one of those uh, sideboard plans that uh, that we see sometimes where you don't really see all that much, uh, you know, creature action in game one. It's kind of like those instant speed reanimator decks, right. yeah, uh, yeah. tin fins, when they used to board in a mentor, yep. <laughs> which is just soul crushing when they do that instead. And you, you're sitting there with your ley line in play. Right. <laughs> you're just like, I'm an idiot. But yeah, uh, that sounds like a really good plan, like plan B for your deck. Yeah, I think it's fine, especially in in the in the like following games if they board out all the removal. And uh, as you said, he had he started the game with ley lines in play, so my com- my echo path was completely dead. Oh right, it was a second game in the middle that I lost because he had ley line in play, and I drew my entire deck without managing to get up to 20 storm (laughs) so (laughs) i couldn't kill him with my grape shot (laughs) you're like would you mind 
Would you mind fetching twice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so silly. Where's your dark confidant? <laughs> if you would have played your deck better, I would have won. Yeah, because it was also really sloppy play from my side because I could have like counted the exact amount of cards that were still there and you know played out artifacts until <laughs> I had reached enough storm and then played the Song of Creation. But I was I was on a like a big galvanic relay. Maybe it was like the second turn around you know you make one relay and then into another relay and then i had like a 17 card hand or something like that to go off but i think it's accurate though when you say i drew my entire deck and i lost because i didn't reach uh, enough storm (laughs) you're you're true in characterizing this as uh, sloppy play yeah yeah. (laughs) for me if you're playing this deck like don't be a math nerd do like robin do just go for the big yeah yeah yeah. like uh, i would totally do what you do i mean normally you would just echo and shuffle your graveyard into your deck and uh, you could just go go on forever but like the ley line stopped that play so that was a little bit rough. Anyway, in game three, I was up against Cephalid Breakfast, and uh, he managed to beat me two of the games. One game I won with a surgical, timely surgical, that he didn't expect. But it was pretty rough with a fast combo and a lot of interaction from his side. So that was pretty rough. And surgicals was my only hate that I could really bring in there. And then in the final game, it was sort of the Sevdo mirror. I was up against the Epic Store. <laughs> Emphasis on Sevdo here. <laughs> well, it's not the same list, man. <laughs> they play a good Storm deck. <laughs> and I play Song of Creation, you know. <laughs> You're the good person. Though. Well, I, I, I played pretty bad in that matchup as well. I was a little bit too trigger happy, I think. Like, if you play your main deck Veils, that is pretty strong against an opposing storm deck of course. and i could have been more cautious i think and maybe played it safe where is the fun in that no one remembers a coward exactly so that was a loss as well but it was a, a fine night with song of creation and i did some tuning together with christopher after on the on the ride home to sort of make it a little bit more lean with a wish package for instance uh, of course mimicking a little bit more of the epic storm but taking away some of the more clunky cards and getting a wishboard there for instance yeah and i also really like the idea of being able to set up a preemptive defense grid right uh, which sounds super mean in a deck like this yeah so that was the thursday night pop quiz doing a christopher here oh how many other third path magic cards are there oh god uh i know there's one more this is this is a dominaria card mm-hmm. so i guess there are i'm just gonna go for it four you're close i would say two uh, there are five other third path mm-hmm. cards all of these are jeskai by the way oh for one and two red you have felden of the third path which is a two three creature with stuff there's a saga called founding the third path oh, yeah, right. yeah, then good. there is lauren of the third path oh right there's third path savant that one i haven't heard about two in the blue for a human wizard two three common seven draw two cards <laughs> That's a good and then divination. Finally, yeah. Finally, there's Union of the Third Path, which is an instant mm-hmm. draws a card and you gave life equal number of cards in your hand. Probably mm-hmm. why you haven't seen it. It's good to see uh, the, the Third Path unionizing. That's at least good. Like, they can't keep on living like this in Dominaria. The lore for that is uh, 
Teresia City at last opened its ivory towers to all who sought respite from the endless war. So more paper play from Christopher, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, we could we could take my first day because then we have a, a special all co-host version. But yeah, I'll talk uh, uh, briefly about my first day. So I decided, like like Robin said, this is in between leagues. So this is the perfect opportunity to just sleeve up some brews. So I brought Tamashi Standstill. Tamashi is a creature that I was really looking forward to brewing with when it was first spoiled. I'm not sure if I talked about it on this podcast, but it's from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. For two in a blue... It's a Moonfolk Wizard legendary creature, 2-free. Whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand, draw a card. This ability only triggers once each turn. Then for X white and return a land, you, uh, a land you control to its owner's hand, return target artifact or enchantment card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as sorcery. So this card has made waves like there's a very efficient combo deck in modern, I think, with this. But I'm about the yank in life so I, I built a standstill deck with this because it's really nice to just fish up a standstill again after your opponent cracked it or maybe just pay a white return a land draw a card put a ursa saga into play again and then play a land because you haven't made your land drop there's a lot of really cool things that you can do with this but my eyes was all about the Ursa's legacy staple, <laughs> second chance. So this is an enchantment for two and a blue, which says <laughs> during your upkeep, if you have five life or less, sacrifice second chance and take an extra turn after this one. So you're just sitting there and playing the very long waiting game with your opponent. You know, they have to beat you down because you're a standstill deck. And then you just play this and you recur it with Tamashi and take all the turns. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's clean. But then this is still a standstill deck. So, of course, you'll find some Shark Typhoons and Timeless Dragons and stuff like that. I played Snappies also, which is just a card I love. Uh, Teferi. So, yeah. First, I was up against Hideaway Knot. And this is the Hideaway Greenland where you can put Emrakul or stuff like that under it. And then, of course, Stifles. You play the Phyrexian Dreadnought to be able to trig- trigger that green hideaway land so you can cast a very cheap Emrakul. Or, if you're spicy like my opponent was, you can put a Protean Hulk under there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the idea is that you play your Dreadnought, and with the sacrifice on the stack, you activate your hideaway land and put protean hulk into play then you use your (laughs) phyrexian dreadnought to sacrifice the protean hulk as well which means that you get to assemble a lethal combo from your deck so it's it was a very spicy brew and you know my deck is although i do have some jank in it it's a pretty much jank killer deck like (laughs) i'm gonna draw more cards than my opponent i'm gonna play a standstill i'm gonna dress down if they're trying to do some nasty things Uh, you know it's it's nasty so you're playing a a jank cannibal is that what you're saying yeah like it's it's part jank part jank killer (laughs) so i won that 2-0 but then of course this is a jank deck and i was up against elves (laughs) i don't need to talk much about this game i got 
slaughtered in two games. It's always scary like when you jam a standstill quite early and you don't have Timeless Dragon or Ursa Saga or something and they just fetch two Dryad Arbors. <laughs> Start going to town. <laughs> he could even crack his, uh, crack my standstill and just kill me anyway. <laughs> so like, it's one of those really hard matchups. And even if I bring in counterbalance and stuff like that, and Terminus and uh, Supreme Verdict, I had a lot of really cool cards. I even have a Graph Diggers that I got with my Ursa Saga in game two. But that Allosaurus Shepherd is uh, really brutal to play against uh, with this deck. So I lost that in two quick games. Question, uh, was it like elves with like pointy ears nettle sentinel or was it more dis- the distorted dark version created by Morgoth? Yeah, this was the fiend artisan version, All right. which is also very scary. You never know what they're going to get, but every fiend artisan in play got removed quite easily. But yep. they are still like they have. If I don't find Terminus or Supreme Verdict, they're just gonna kill me with one ones, <laughs> and that's the harsh reality. But yeah, then I played against Yorion Defentaxis in game one. I just outgrinded my opponent. I countered. I got to spell pierce a vial on turn one from a Yorion deck because. Yorion Defentaxis with a turn one vial is extremely nasty to play against. But I sat there with my spell pierce and I just felt like a million bucks. And I had one spell pierce in the deck, so it felt great. And then I just outgrinded my opponent. And in, in game two, this is sort of funny, but I got Cataclysm the twice. Oh my god. And still won. What? Did you bounce a land with Tameshi in response? Sorcery speed only. Oh. I had one white source left in my entire deck after the second Cataclysm. So then I got to play Savine's Sel- uh, Reclamation on another planes. And then I flashed back it on two white sources. <laughs> So that was a super grind, but what I noticed in this match was that my counterbalance was such a stupid card. I countered seven spells, where Ooh. I one was a blind flip, but all of the others I could set up. I set it up with, um, you know, when, when my opponent cataclysmed, I uh, brainstormed in response, because I had a counterbalance in play already. I brainstormed in response and put two twos on the top. And then on my opponent's next turn, guess what? Planes Falia, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna flip the top card and show you, <laughs> show you this beautiful standstill. And Man, then I, just, I love counterbalance. Yeah, and then I just untapped and played the standstill, and from there I just drew better, like it drew more cards. So yeah, but it was a super fun game, and uh, then I got to play against Naya Depths, and that was, you know, you're playing a lot of removal, you're playing Caracas, and uh, this is the first time during the evening that I got to set up Tamashi second chance as well. Ooh. My opponent scooped after one recursion, but like, they were dead. So the free one, I mean, would the deck be better without the jank? Yeah, for sure, but it's Tamashi overperformed the knight. Like, even without the combo, it was a, just a super solid creature. So yeah, let's let's get into our event that we played at one of our friends' place from our local game store. 
indeed in which I also partook because this wasn't a weekend, hence easier for me. I was even driving the car. How about that? Road I trip. mean, sort of, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> for a full 25 minutes. I mean, to be- I'll, I'll sum it up to begin with by saying I felt rusty. And obviously, I haven't played in quite some time, sort of structured like that. Second sum up, I played Reanimator for most of the night. And the decks that are around currently, I felt, and this is a general feeling, I'm not going to sort of go into big detail here, but it felt like a lot of the cards that are played right now are sort of, at the same time, unintentionally good against what I try to do and that goes beyond sort of the obvious uh, endurance is a very good card of course and people play it main deck and so on but I mean for example I ran into lots of opponents who played counterbalance and that's a huge problem <laughs> for reanimator if they get to resolve it because the decks that run counterbalance uh, of course also run a lot of cards that will counter most anything in the deck except for grief and hard casted big creatures that was rough i think i lost all of my four matches one two and uh, it felt like an uphill battle most of the time but then again i could also sense that my opponents were also super scared all the time because <laughs> when you play against black red reanimated you can just lose whenever because the deck has such a strong comeback to it that you always keep your opponent on sort of the defensive and you keep pressuring them, just rolling in with a threat after threat that are must counter or must interrupt or you're just going to straight up lose. And I, even though I lost most of the games because I was rusty, I had a really good time with that feeling with the deck. Except for one match. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll get into that one. And that was that was might have been your only O2. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I'll, I'll let you talk about that. But I mean, um, I haven't had the opportunity to try Atraxa that has been sort of the rave all these last couple of days, but I haven't seen anyone yet. I think people are sort of on their way with content on that, but I haven't seen anyone having it in black red. People are doing it in sort of other various shells and calling it the best card ever printed and so on, but we'll see. I was really happy with Arkan. It felt even better than it was when it sort of came out and started making the, the rounds. That creature just... It's insanely good. Yeah, like to add to that, especially now when we're seeing Legacy become more of a more creature-heavy format again. Like it's always a balance between creature or combo. Uh, like I said, a lot of creature decks running around. Like during the uh, Breach era, it was a lot of spell-based combo, obviously. But now we're really in a place with like creatures matter. Uh, we see Blue Red Delver, we see a lot of initiatives still, and an Archon just says, no, I'm like, I'm the creature deck. If we're both playing creatures, doesn't matter, like Grizzlebrand, sure, like it can raise something, but nothing can really raise an Archon. Like, creatures on the battlefield just vanish, and you just hit for nine every turn, draw a card, and your opponent lose card, it's just impossible to beat with creatures. Unless you're also doing unfair things like sneak <laughs> sneak attack and Emrakul. But besides that, it's just so rough. And conversely, and I think this is also interesting, Exhume suddenly feels like your worst reanimation spell. Yeah. And it's always been such an all-star ever since I picked up this deck quite a long time ago. Because as you said, uh, Legacy has been spell-based for so long. Now Legacy is creature-based. And all of a sudden, 
exhume is just sometimes you do not want to cast it because the ATB effects on, in the opponent's graveyard is just too damn strong for you. Mm. Yeah, like when they pitch a, a solitude to kill your first, uh, like your Grizzlebrand, and yeah. you draw seven in response, and you, your re- new reanimation spell is is an exhume. You know that you're gonna give them the solitude <laughs> again. It's it's terrible. When thinking about Atraxa and the Grizzlebrand, I think that probably Grizzlebrand will still be a little bit better in in specifically reanimator. Because you are, yeah, for sure. You're like always very few hand cards in hand after you have resolved your first threat, and in in, in many decks, it, maybe it's even better to grab four cards out of ten seen or something like that. But in Reanimator, you want to go beyond seven cards so that you can naturally discard some creatures. And... No, exactly. Yeah, and and also most of the games I lose against Reanimator with most of my decks is a turn one Grizzlebrand draw. 7 or 14 and just right. shred your hand. Exactly. And uh, I think no card like Atraxa, nothing can really do that. And the reanimator really needs to bank on being quick. And Grizzlebrand yeah. is just the easiest way to get the opponent to pieces and then attack them three times. Yeah. <laughs> e- even if like a lot of times, one time and then they scoop. <laughs> now, the only thing I've been thinking about that I sort of want to try at some point is Atraxa might find you a path where you get to more mana because you get to pick a petal and a dark ritual. But then again, if you pick the dark ritual, you can't pick a tomb, for example. But sometimes when you sort of when you draw seven and you sort of lack that extra mana, Atraxa digs deeper and ensures you get one of each. But that's sort of the angle I've seen that where it could be sort of factually better. But that's also situational. Then again, you lose access to Entomb if you want to do that so I don't know I'm gonna have to try it out to sort of and also like 10 cards deep finding one of four petals is also not also always guaranteed Uh, but sure like Grizzlebrand draws seven it's it might be easier to brick on that but a lot of times you don't. <laughs> a lot of times you draw 14 as well. <laughs> and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so that was enjoyable, as was the point of it. Insightful into where the deck is currently situated. Needs to, need to avoid the counterbalance if I'm going to play this on Sunday. So what did... Uh, we had a little Swiss tournament sort of going on. Robin, what did you play? Well, like getting beat by Depic Storm in the final round on Thursday made me want to try to play the epic storm myself and uh, i am not an experienced pilot on on uh, the epic storm but it's a fun deck and i know like most of the lines but not not very experienced as i said i started out against a fellow storm player i was hoping for the pseudo mirror he usually plays ants but he was on delver instead i played a little bit too cautious i think and uh, didn't get the relay hand, which is like the Delver Killer hand, because they can't really interact with it. And uh, lost two rather quick games, I should say. Then I was up against the Nemesis, Christopher. (laughs) (laughs) The Nemesis, say my true name. (laughs) Christopher. So this was also some sort of uh, Servo Mirror as you were playing Riddler. Maybe I shouldn't spoil too much. No, it's... Uh, it's it was some interesting, uh, interesting games back and forth. And I managed to uh, draw pretty good and end up victorious. I had a, a, a echo line in one of the games where I, 
I think I drew the exact seas that I needed, like a lot of mana and uh, a tutor. Yeah, that was brutal. But good that games, brutal. like super good games. Yeah, it was really good games. Not quite two ships like sailing past each other in the night. It was a little bit of interaction here and there, which is fun. And like, because since we both play silence, it we can always, always like, if someone echoes, the other player can always rip the silence and just end the turn. From there. So yeah, pretty... yeah, that's that's super nasty. Yeah, yeah. You played yours in the main deck, and yeah. and I bring in one from the side. <laughs> but I would argue that my deck sees more cards, uh, which Definitely. we might get into. Definitely. And then uh, in the final game, it was only three rounds of Swiss, as we weren't past eight people. I was up against Infect. And that matchup is really rough, I think. They have a swift kill and a lot of interaction. And I played a little bit too cautiously, I think. I was playing around days and all of that stuff. By doing so, I gave him the time to just play double invigorate and kill me. It's never easy. (laughs) It's never easy. And like uh, I think I boarded wrongly because I should have boarded in Thought Seasers. To sort of clear a counter spell or like take a pump spell or a threat and just knowing which plan he was on. Because as we were talking after the games, he didn't have counter magic in either of the game, but he had a turn to kill. So he was like, this is a good hand against Storm as well. So that was an error on my part, I should say. And I went for lines that would play around the days or play around a force of will by making a relay instead of Admosium, for instance. So... I think those kind of decisions comes with experience, which I don't have. Yeah, sometimes you just need to get the reps in. And uh, in fact, it's not like the most common thing to face now also. Like if you're playing against Delver, this might sound weird, but you potentially have a longer game in front of you with more decisions. Yeah, yeah. In fact, could just end. Like you know, you know how many turns you have against Delver. I mean, you can yeah. always... There's it's only the like, second Merktide <laughs> that always gets you. Yeah, yeah, of course, but at least it's not a hasty one. Yeah, exactly. Well, pseudo haste because it grows the second, the one that's already in play. So it's right, like, that that's is... how I I've died so many times to that. Yeah, and uh, like after after this Swiss, I played a little bit of Naya Depths, but it didn't feel quite strong at this point. It meta. I was up against Maverick and uh, Grixis control so much removal because of the white initiative deck and if you just play creatures that you need to untap with for them to have an effect i think you're in a pretty bad position right now yeah and uh, also this is a a fun thing to add but a lot of times i talk about you know uh, we we stand by it in this pod that uh, stockholm is mid-range hell but this evening at our friend's house was combo hell yeah indeed in the Swiss, we were eight players and six people were on combo decks. <laughs> we had like, it was funny, like uh, Robin said that one of the ant players was on Delver. Thank God. <laughs> because we had Delver, Maverick, Cephalid Breakfast, Reanimator, Riddlesmith combo, Tess, Infect and Food Chain. <laughs> so it was literally six combo decks. Well, some people argue that Infect isn't a combo deck, and I guess I'm one of those people as well, but it's close enough. My evening was, uh, like like you heard, I played the Riddlesmith combo deck, and it's one of those decks that I've, I put together during Kamigawa when the containment construct was printed, because I was like, 
this card is dope. <laughs> I want to try it out. But I never put it together. <laughs> so this was the time. And it was funny. When I got home that evening, I saw that Killer B, who is a like D player to play this deck, actually integrated some new cards into the deck from the latest set, where we have a card Victor talked about, Mycosynth Gardens, to get extra copies of LED, but then also played a card that I totally missed and hadn't seen before, which is called a Vindictive Flame Stoker. So I'm definitely going to try those out. For those listening that might not know what it is, and I saw Victor raising an eyebrow, <laughs> it's for one red mana. It's a 1-2 Phyrexian Wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Vindictive Flame Stoker. Six and a red. Sacrifice Vindictive Flame Stoker, discard your hand, then draw four cards. This ability costs one less to activate for each oil counter on Vindictive Flame Stoker. So this oh. is sort of like an Ox of Agona situation, which... Only very delayed. Yeah, but not in this deck. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you oil it up very fast <laughs> you oil it up extremely fast with all those zero mana artifacts i played so many puns here that we're not gonna go oh into. man oiled up <laughs> yeah I, I like in my deck i played 23 zero drops just to you know get the riddlesmiths going and when the vindictive st- uh, flame stoker you know that's that's super cool but this this like version i really like what killer Bee has done to his list if I'm just gonna do a very quick diverge from the path from the third path Killaby put search node in the sideboard which is an all-star card from I can't remember it looks like a let's see it's a charge counter I would guess some sort of Mirrodin set maybe maybe the second one yeah it might be no it's Sendikar it's Sendikar it, it it's a one mana artifact that enters the battlefield with six shard charge counters on it and then you just pay one tap it to remove a charge counter from it and put it on target artifact like i mentioned i played 23 zero drops a chalice on one on zero kills this deck and this is a card that you can just fetch up with ursa saga and say sup nerd you have a chalice on one which is very cool killaby also put a grindstone in the sideboard so you can Ursa Saga it up against Painter and just mill them. Oh, wow. That's lovely. Yeah, that's lovely. Like, a lot of people say that Painter might be the like in the top five contention of decks right now. And I completely agree. It's an absolute beast. But yeah, let's get into the games. First, I played against Infect. I lost game one. My opponent had a quite quick hand. And it happens. Uh, I don't have that much interaction. They uh, forced my turn one defense grid. And then I think dazed my second spell, my my action. In game two, I mold to four. My opponent had a force on my defense grid again, but I had a second defense grid on like turn three and I was still alive. And I started doing, you know, lead echo, draw cards, play things out, lead echo. But then I totally bricked on my second echo and I was up to enough storm to decimate my opponent at this time but i didn't get there so it was an o2 then like uh, robin said i played against him he won game one because (laughs) it was so nasty like he played a like main deck orms chant he wins the die roll and plays like a turn one something maybe nothing no turn one fetch go i just i play my containment (laughs) construct i do a lot of things and when i'm about to you know 
I, I, I'm just setting up to kill him. He plays Orm's Chant, and I'm like, oh man, I can't believe you're doing this. And then he untaps, peers, and kill me, like peer into the abyss. <laughs> In game two, I got to kill you, and that felt great. I got my combo going, and you know, uh, you draw a lot of cards. I silence, I echo, and grape shot for plenty. Yeah, but like that game was alive so many because I think you played two or three echoes, and each of those echoes could have given me a silence effect. Yeah, before you yeah, found it, your own, it could have found. Yeah, but then I like uh, the benefit is whenever I do the crack LED echo. I had a containment construct in play, so I get to keep all of my cards. And eventually I found a silence, which I could use, and then just, yeah, kill him. Yep. Then in game three, it was, it was nice, but like you, I think you just could go for it a bit faster than me. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was also like... I had an echo line, I think. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Was that was, I was, I, was <laughs> I passed, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to untap and kill him. And uh, you kind of felt that, so you you forced an echo line with uh, Wishclaw Talisman, and you found four spells of mana for Storm and a Tutor for Tendrils. So that was super brutal, but it's what the deck is designed to do, so it, it does that. Then I played against Cephalid Breakfast. This was very nice. Uh, the defense grids were super strong, so I got to get the 2-0. In game two, I had a, a ley line in play, and my opponent was like, I'm not sure if I can beat that. And then when they fetched, they were like, oh, I can. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you have Teferi still, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and like Kaldra. Yeah, yeah, but like if Kaldra is your plan against this deck, yeah, it's, uh, it's, slow. it's slow. They did not get there in time and I just beat him down with two 12-12 constructs and two Riddlesmiths. <laughs> Because this deck also Here makes... Here we go. <laughs> yeah, this deck all, also makes very big construct tokens. <laughs> the last round, like, the, the Swiss was over, but uh, I sat down and played against Reanimator. These games were, like, super scary, like Victor said. In game one, I, I did win, but that was mostly due to you sort of bricking on your draws oh, yeah. with Grizzlebrand. Yeah, yeah. And then in game two, I, I think I mulled to free, but it was a ley line a petal and a gamble so i got to put the i got to put the ley line into play and you you multi five i got to play, put the ley line into play and then you fought caesar griefed me and took my gamble and i just peeled a second uh, lotus petals so i played both out and uh, then peeled a riddlesmith and uh, before you know it i'm sitting there i have my containment construct in play i'm just drawing a lot of cards i think at the time i could have kept on going but we were at way beyond storm 40 (laughs) i just i'd gambled for the grape shot the thing is this game went on for about 20 minutes or so Uh, and i no 15 15 minutes and i played two turns (laughs) in both which i uh, (laughs) no that was the other game Uh, one of these games anyway i remember distinctly the game went on for a long time because this deck, uh, much like eggs in modern back in the day, the win isn't super deterministic, so you have to play through it in order to sort of assemble your win. But as an opponent with no interaction and also with a deck that sort of does things pretty quickly, you sit there and you're like, okay, excellent. That's when you bring out the pillow and say, wake me up when you combo. I was close to. Wake me up. 
Yeah, <laughs> but it's also like I'm uh, when I play uh, Legacy, even if it's you know kitchen table, I'm a pretty you know thorough person. So I announce triggers and stuff like that. And eventually, <laughs> Victor was like. Yeah, you can just do the thing. <laughs> don't, you don't have to say because I had two riddles. I want to hear another word trigger. Yeah, yeah, Christopher, shut your mouth right now. Like, I know you have your two triggers riddlesmiths. triggers me. <laughs> like, uh, you have two riddlesmiths. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> like, uh, you have so many zero mana artifacts in exile. You can cast with containment construct. Just draw how many cards you need to draw to feel good and kill me. <laughs> so I did just that. Yep. And it was great. Riddlesmith combo is uh, such a energetic deck to play. Like the the <laughs> That's a nice word for it. <laughs> so yeah, the the experience uh, Victor had it's false news like it's fake news and, uh, <laughs> and don't listen to his don't uh, don't listen to his uh, false propaganda if if he wouldn't have forced me to multi free it would have been a faster game but maybe it's all his fault for playing reanimator and i'm scared Now then, weekend tournament coming up. Much fun, but what will happen there? As the local weeklies have been outside normal league settings, as you mentioned, Robin, a lot of us have brought sort of more whimsical decks to the tables, uh, you know, Riddlesmith and, and stuff. In other words, what is trending is perhaps a bit of a toss-up here. And also, I mean, other players have seen successful MTGO Results with uh, Phyrexia only one cards, such as Atraxa, Grand Unifier, Minor Misstep, Mercurial Spell Dancer, you know, the list goes on. So, will they be live at the tables this coming weekend? What do you think, guys? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think uh, for this for this tournament, if we're going to see new cards, I would expect those three that you mentioned. I do believe Minor Misstep is one of those cards we haven't really talked about, but it seems really good. It's one of those catch all early spells you'll get a, a vial a mother of runes <laughs> i was gonna say alistair shepherd but read a card christopher there it catches a lot of things and like mercurial spell dancer is one of those cards that people are really trying out whether it's control or delver delver less delver maybe even it's one of those unexplored cards which i think has an appropriate power level that needs a lot of build around but it seems strong if i would anticipate the meta i would still probably say there's gonna be a lot of blue red delver and uh, initiative and uh, at our local game store a lot of combo has started picking up again and the mid-range hell is starting to freeze over a bit. So what do you think about that assessment? Yeah, I agree and I might add that maybe some of the new toxic cards might show up in one or another infect deck. I'm looking forward to facing off against those new cool cards, but I don't know how it is with card availability. If people will get their Mercurian dancers and angel finishers in time, but yeah. Well, depending on how you see it, maybe Mercurial Spell Dancer and Attracts are toxic too, but in a different way. <laughs> We're, we'll just have to see. 
Yeah, but really looking forward to playing a more like serious tournament with a little bit higher stakes. Of course, there's a prize involved and also a lot of prestige winning on one of these tournaments. And there is also like a beeline to the top of the league if you win one of these. I'm not really sure if it matters a lot if you already are qualified, if you get something like a buy or you get a start. I'm not really sure. I think you get bonus points. For people who don't win, uh, they get bonus points. I think like a semi-finalist spot gives you some points. But for the winning, they auto-qualify. But I would guess that you like, yeah, you just auto-qualify. I don't think we're going to end up in a situation where the person who wins the Sunday tournament is going to like with bonus points get to the top seat. It is possible not to the top seat, but the two best placing people in our league gets a buy in the first round there are still stakes for our league players if someone get, gets bonus points in this tournament they could snatch the second place because the scores are really tight but yeah i'm, I'm sitting on, in my ivory tower at number number one and feeling pretty safe yeah but it's going to be interesting also because i mean we're so close to the release of cards that are interesting there might still be there might still be sleeper cards in that set that we haven't seen yet someone's going to show up with sort of an updated version of you know deck whatever that everyone's been putting solidly in tier 2 for for years and you know wow with this card something happens i mean people have been trying out uh, our haste maverick card so you know <laughs> claiming it has been successful and also the card that you brought up last week i think the the full po- the realm of possibilities for minkensif gardens is extremely underexplored well (laughs) i'm saying that now but like it has so many applications so we'll see if someone gets to find a cool shell for it or you know try it out in ts or gyruda that i have seen uh, making waves again so it's going to be super interesting to see what all this is about in our next episode we will know it's also nice that this tournament is like a start of a little bit of a tournament series for us so this sunday it's a b- like a big legacy as we call it then there's the season finals uh, which both me and christopher will participate in and then we have in nordishoping invasion tour legacy tournament in the 25th of march and probably in april there's also gothcon in gothenburg with the high roller legacy tournaments to attend to it's going to be really fun to see how the new cards... We'll see the results and report back on that, but it's going to see be fun to see if any new cards find a cool home. And that is all we have for this episode. If you have done some local heroic stuff in paper lately, please share in our Discord. You can find the link in this episode description. In addition, Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at SDHLM Legacy. Also, we are personally present on social media. Robin, where can our listeners draw 10 with you? At Jacka underscore Bo on Twitter. And you can tell me how you trigger your riddle smiths at Monolith MTG. And you can exhume me at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 79th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. I'm Christopher Wikström. I am Victor Bernhardt's special thanks to you for listening. That's so great. Also, another great person, Frönes, has written their music. If you want to find out more of their work, they're on Spotify. Until our next episode, keep supporting your local game store. Make it financially a good thing to facilitate the playing of games.